Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. So the series of articles in this particular episode have all kind of spoken to me because of the fact that we are now running up on three months of not having lodge meetings other than, you know, Zoom and stuff like that. But what uh, my biggest fear is now is that the guys uh, start getting into the habit of not coming to lodge and we suddenly see our meeting attendance dwindle and we see people stop showing up. So... I'm hoping that that doesn't happen, and I'm hoping that by continually, you know, keeping in touch with each other through text and emails and Facebook and other social media and the Zoom meetings, and even just reaching out with a phone call, um, that we continue to keep everybody involved. So this next article here is from the June 2001 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, and it's titled, Are We Trying to Raise Mushrooms? Written by Charles W. Amidon, 33rd Degree. We can make inactive into active members by asking them to help in areas of their special expertise. When you plant a young tree, certain guidelines must be followed. First, you must decide what species and quality is best for the intended area. Second, you have to select a nursery that carries quality stock. Third, you have to get in your car and drive to the nursery. Usually, they won't deliver one small tree at a time. Fourth, it is necessary that you dig the proper sized hole in which to plant the tree. Lastly, you must treat it to the right type and amount of fertilizer and then give it an initial drink of water. The last step is crucial in getting your new tree off to a good start. You might feel that 20 pounds of fertilizer and 30 gallons of water every day would be the best way for your tree to make a quick start. If a little of each is fine, then 10 times as much should be better. So what happens? The tree dies. If you stop to think about it, isn't that the way we as Freemasons tend to treat our new members? We follow steps one through three in most cases, then in our haste to get them involved, we proceed to smother them with fertilizer, water them too abundantly, and keep them in the dark. You would think we were trying to raise mushrooms. A better way of treating a new member should be available. When a man's petition is read and lodged, the secretary usually states his place and date of birth, his home address, whether or not he's married, and a brief reference to his occupation. Other than that, the membership at large knows very little about the man. He may be a brain surgeon, excellent cabinet maker, a sheet metal mechanic, a prolific writer, an outstanding public speaker. The details of his exact expertise are never disclosed. They are only discovered if he becomes an active member and reveals his talents piecemeal over Lodge Coffee. What a waste of potential excellent talents by our neglect. How much extra work would be entailed in asking our new member what his special talents and hobbies might be? With the advent of computers, a lodge could easily put together a database and be able to pull out those talents when a special need arises in the lodge. Think how a new member would respond if some small lodge project needed to be accomplished that fit his expertise perfectly. Ask a brain surgeon if the lodge might be of assistance in volunteering its services at the hospital. Ask the sheet metal worker to give you his opinion on how to best fix a leaking gutter. Ask the cabinet maker if he has any suggestions on how to repair a broken piece of furniture. Ask the writer if he would like to contribute to the Lodge Trussell Board. 
Ask the public speaker if he would be interested in making a presentation to the lodge at one of its dinners. If any of them respond positively, we have just made an active member. We gave him just the right amount of fertilizer and water to make him grow. Note that we didn't tell him what to do, we just asked for his advice and made him feel important. In most lodges or temples, two approaches are made to new member. The most deadly is to ignore him and assume he is as interested in Freemasonry as we are. We assume he immediately wants to take an active part. He seldom does. The second method is to smother him too much with dictated work and badger him to change his lifestyle overnight. We see attendance as a priority. In his mind, his priorities are already set. Why should he change now? We have to give him a reason. Use too much fertilizer and water and we'll lose him just as we could lose the tree. New members are like chains. We can't push them. They have to be pulled, but don't pull too hard. Use a little gentle persuasion and see what happens. We might be pleasantly surprised by the result. Let's start selecting good trees. Go get them. Select a place just right to fit them. Use just the right amount of fertilizer and water. We could be starting a new forest. The following article is from the March 1999 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. It's titled, Freemasonry Needs Change. It's written by William J. Molina, 32nd degree. Subtitled, Change is the Evidence of Life. If Masonry does not change, it will die. Is it realistic to expect Freemasonry and Masonic practices to remain the same for tomorrow as they are today? Is it possible for Freemasonry to be the same today as it was yesterday? These are two questions that have troubled me for a long time, and I'm sure that I'm not alone in my concern. Change just for the sake of change serves no purpose, but change for the sake of improvement, or in some cases survival, is advisable and often necessary. I believe it is realistic and advisable to let practices and customs expire honorably when they have served their purpose. I also believe it is realistic and advisable to allow new ideas to develop in order to meet the needs of new times and new situations. What was or is popular for one generation may not necessarily be popular or even acceptable for another. Change is the evidence of life. If Freemasonry does not change, it will die. It is well and good for Masons to say Masonic charities and philanthropies, collectively and individually, are evidence of Freemasonry's life and well-being. However, the general public does not or cannot see the organization behind the act. The continuation of Masonic charity and philanthropy depends upon a healthy and growing Masonic membership. In order for any organization to remain healthy and carry out its objectives, it must attract new members. Freemasonry is no different. With membership in almost all Masonic bodies declining, it is obvious that some of what has worked in the past is not working today. Most successful corporations constantly re-examine their objectives, purposes, and policies. Today, many businesses are restarting and putting their corporate goals into writing. Similarly, churches and religious organizations are now formulating mission statements to promote programs designed to assure growth and success in carrying out their goals. What are the purposes of Freemasonry? What are its objectives? Most inactive Masons do not have an inkling of the answer or answers, otherwise they would be active. Active members are too busy administering the affairs of the several Masonic bodies or too busy holding them together to give these questions much thought. A familiar aphorism states that Freemasonry's purpose is to make good men better. While this is true, this purpose is not proprietary to Freemasonry and is much too broad to be a mission statement. 
If the mission of Freemasonry is to be articulated, it must be done with a vision towards the future. Masonry did not become what it is today without change, without a hope for the future. In the beginning, there were no Shrine or Scottish Rite Hospitals, no Scottish Rite Childhood Language Disorder Centers, no Knight Templar Eye Foundation, no homes for aged members of the Masonic community. All these exist today because Masons of yesterday had a vision for tomorrow. Sometimes statements of mission or purpose are too long and boring. As a result, little attention is paid to them. If, on the other hand, they are brief, to the point, and relevant, they can provide the focal point from which the organization can formulate policies. Freemasonry's purpose or mission statement might be something like this. We, the members of the Fraternity of Freemasons, without regard of Masonic rank or affiliation, bind ourselves in a spirit of brotherhood one to another and to all people wherever they may be, by promoting and demonstrating the living of a moral and righteous life, treating all persons as equals in the sight of God. By asserting that it is the privilege and prerogative of every individual to worship God, by whatever name he or she knows the Creator, according to the dictates of his or her own conscience. By providing charitable or benevolent assistance where needs are not provided by the civil, secular, or religious programs. By promoting patriotic loyalty to the legitimate government under whose jurisdiction an individual lives. By encouraging individuals to take an active and impartial part in the civil and political affairs of their community, state, and nation. By teaching, by means of ritual or ceremony, without religious or denominational interpretation, ethical truths, honorable virtues, and respectable morality. It would be difficult, but not impossible, for Freemasonry to disseminate and implement such a mission statement, and it would require change. The vehicles for this are already in place in the United States. The Conference of Grand Masters, the Grand Lodges, the two Scottish Rite jurisdictions, the General Grand Chapter, the General Grand Council, the Grand Encampment of Knights Templar, the Imperial Shrine, and the several Grand Bodies of the York Rite. One change that would be required is a closer liaison and cooperation between the various bodies, plus a more open mutual and public recognition of each other's existence. The concept held by some Masons, particularly those who have not advanced beyond the Master's degree, that Freemasonry consists of only the blue or symbolic lodge must be rectified. Freemasonry, if it is going to grow or just survive, must present a unified image to the general public, and it must let people know what it is, what it stands for, and what it does. I do not claim to have the solutions to all or any of Freemasonry's problems, but I believe it must change. Change is not innovation, it is development. At this point in its history, Freemasonry has developed, by change, from a simple fraternity in the early 1700s in England to a complex worldwide system of related independent organizations, each with its own identifiable characteristics. I further believe that unified Freemasonry should be able to say, I have changed, I am being changed, I will continue to change, but I will never abandon my mission. Whatever Freemasonry becomes in the future depends upon what the Masons of today do or do not do. Will we do or die? The following article is from the May 2000 Scottish Rite Journal of Freemasonry, Southern Jurisdiction, USA. The article is titled The Value of Freemasonry by Robert G. Davis, 33rd Degree. When Masonry gets back to standing up for what we have always stood for, we will again make the difference that counts. 
My personal experience as a web surfer has given me a sense that European Freemasonry is doing many of the right things, as are some brethren in our own country. Many European lodges are filled to capacity with members at almost every meeting. Their agendas are focused on interesting and enlightening presentations. The lodge is personally involved with the life of its members. They more tightly guard their outer door by use of the ballot box. They keep their overall lodge membership small enough to ensure a meaningful fraternal experience. They maintain an important balance between ritual, education, and social activities. And they never lose sight of the real mission of Freemasonry, the enlightenment of the individual. Perhaps in their own lifetimes, they have lived too close to political and religious intolerance. They know and can still feel the value of freedom. Conversely, I am shaken when I stop to consider how much we take Freemasonry for granted in our own country. Consider for a moment what we would do if we were suddenly deprived of our Masonic rights and privileges, if our lodges and temples were closed or burned, if our fraternal bonds were severed, if Masonry lived only in memory. Picture what tremendous value we would then place upon that which was lost. We are living in a country founded upon the highest ideals of liberty, justice, and freedom of thought and speech. Every informed Mason knows that these ideals exist largely because of our own fraternal legacy to America. But isn't it true that we usually lose our greatest privileges before we realize how rich they are? This being true, are we not seriously discounting our own usefulness today by taking our Masonry too much for granted? Have we not rested a bit long from the real labor of taking our influence to the world? Is there not something lost when our great fraternity is not exercising its ability to affect positive change in our own society? Have we lost our sense of purpose and relevancy as an organization? It is not because we no longer have the manpower or financial resources to make a difference. The size of its membership or the amount of its charitable work will ultimately not judge the worth of any lodge or temple. Rather, Every Masonic organization will be judged on the impact it has on the thinking of its members in every aspect of their economic and personal life. Something vital has gone out of Masonry when it no longer speaks to each member with the authority of its ideals. When this happens, the morale is gone, the heart is gone. Our problem is not so much that we have lost leadership or resources. These things can be recovered quickly. The sad fact is that too many of our members today have lost sight of our essential effectiveness. We say we believe in Masonry, but what we be really believe in is that Masonry exists. We may profess our love for the fraternity, but then refuse to dedicate a significant part of our lives to the promotion of its programs. We may say our lessons in morals and ethics are worthy, but never insist that these same principles actually work in business, in legislation, in the media, and in the home. We may say that we have entered into a sacred covenant with our lodge brother and then prosecute him all the more when he errs. The Mason who sincerely lives the ideals of brotherhood in his heart knows that the moral and ethical demands of Masonry are great. It means we must not betray a sacred covenant made to the fraternity or to a brother. It means that brotherly love and toleration of our fellows in all things cannot be breached. And it means that we will bring this same covenant to the outer world and let its influence penetrate society. Every Mason should go through his life making sure it deserves the endorsement of the craft. Today, more than ever, the maxims of truth, love, honor, integrity, and right living should be regarded by our society in preference to hate, revenge, intolerance, bigotry, and brutality. When people know nothing of our mission, and then worse yet, sit in judgment on us, the defense of our great fraternity is not the only thing at stake. The future of our country is also in the balance. 
As our European brothers have shown us, it rests not so much on the strength of our military to ensure the progress of our civilization, but on the will of those who exercise the great spiritual might of a people behind them. The greatest need of our crooked world today is to do some straight thinking. It's a need that Freemasonry can meet. We have retired from our task of active influence for far too long. It is time to rise again and let America know we are of the right stuff to correct its course of moral and ethical decay. To allow yet another opportunity for action and involvement to pass by would be to betray our country, our fraternity, and ourselves. When we get back to standing up for what we have always stood for, we will again make the difference that counts, and our world will be better for it. That's a legacy worth announcing and then passing on to the next generation. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.